password reset tech. So, you know, I, I'm familiar with this, right? Like you can argue with the computer all day long, but it knows what your password is, whether you do or not. (laughs) That's the first time I've ever got a notification that we've, that we're going live. Congratulations. It's the only thing that's going to work today. (laughs) Right. I just passed a bar called the the bold O'Donohue's and I don't know how I feel about that name. Sounds That's what I call of nothing. I just felt it deserved mention. <laughs> Are you going to check I'm it out? You're going to go podcast in a bar? I could, but no. Oh, that's boring. Because this is not a topic worth having. I mean, if I had some mead, maybe. But I don't. Mead is very hit or miss. Fair. All right. We have a topic. And we were supposed to do research, and I guarantee we didn't do research. How dare you guarantee well, that? Speak for yourself. Is this is this like new research or does like <sighs> if if it's in our wheelhouse and we've had all this other background research, we could just reiterate how fucking confusing this shit is. So we can we can definitely do that. What we have done in the past is we looked at the Arthurian legends and we tried to like pick things out of that. But right now we're gonna focus kind of on Merlin and probably several other people with M names and be confused and try to figure out some more of the details of what might have been the real original Merlin in the Dresden Files based on what we have learned in Peace Talks as well as the other tidbits and how the stories might stitch together. I don't know what you're talking about. I plan to speak with surety and authority on all matters Okay. Whether, he, whether, he has it whether or you're not, right so. or not, E.T., that's usually how you navigate it. Well, luckily, I'm always right, so it works out that way. Okay, please, please um, elucidate us about Merlin and everything that he would have been in the Justin Files. So here's the thing. Merlin is a pain in the ass. Merlin has decided to make everything difficult because he could be anywhere and nowhere all at once because he does time travel. And that already pisses me off because I hate those theories. (laughs) So as far as I'm concerned, Merlin can kick rocks. It's it's what I've said before multiple times, especially with the last thing, right? Mind control and time travel are really dangerous tropes to be playing around with in your story. Because if they're not handled right, you're just going to blow it up. I mean, so far, so good, right? But that's why, like, I had such a tough time with the Lash story in general. It's like, once we've established that she can literally build a holographic framework over your entire psyche, over your entire experience, and make everybody else look at you like you're a loony, where's the line? There isn't a line anymore. You are compromised. You know, she has total control. Even when she sacrifices herself, you know, there's still going to be a corner of, in my mind that's going to be like, there is an alternate story where he's still trapped in his head with her because oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. how, how do you, where, where's his top? Where's the inception level thing that tells him he's out of the simulation because it doesn't exist. Mouse, and time travel is kind of the same thing. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. Right. The dog. <laughs> hey bubbles you forgot the dog so th- thank you that that's great for i'm just gonna squee for a minute but anyway <laughs> but like time travels the same thing right merlin can bend time and space in the fifth dimension like nobody else we've seen possibly including some of the little g deities maybe excluding you know, Vaterung and Odin, right, as Santa Claus, have done any kind of, like, actual time manipulation. And by some theories and some, you know, 
meshing of science and religion. Once you get to like the fourth or fifth dimension, you're pretty much a god. So what can Merlin not do at that point, right? Like, where is he now? And who? And like, it's it gets super. Is he everywhere? Is he nowhere? What happened to Merlin? I just want to be clear right now. He's not in the fucking crystal. So if you're still thinking that in your head while you're listening to us, he's not in the fucking crystal. (laughs) Where's my imaginary sport ball? Stop that. Yeah. (laughs) So the the problem with fifth dimensional beings is that the question to what, like the answer to where and when he is, is yes. Because he can be in all places and times at any point in time. So it's really irrelevant, right? You know, when do we... You know, what do we want? Time travel. When do we want it? It's irrelevant because, you know, time travel. But I mean, you're always traveling. You're just always going in one direction at a fairly steady rate, unless there's some weird shenanigans going on. It's also like, what's he doing? It was important enough to build this super complex time traveling person. Where is he now? He can time travel. Presumably he's somewhere. Uh, who's he fighting that's more important than, than what we know is going on? Just since we one would assume he's busy somewhere. Or he's just well, or in he's transit. Dead. <laughs> or he's dead. I mean, he's, he's not necessarily. They can't be dead if he's a time traveler, right? Then you can't. Time travelers still die. They just. Well, no, no, yeah, no, that's timeline. not how that works. You can always just be. Did you the... never watch Doctor Who? Come on, how many times did he die? No. But you don't actually. But Doctor Who's not never actually dies. Even though, no, but that's because he's, he's not reborn, right? Uh, we're not. Can I bog down in BBC terrible shows? I also have never watched Doctor Who. We're talking about standards here, man. So Terminator, Hot Tub Time Machine. Come on. Didn't you guys watch Infinity War? Back to the Future. The the Infinity War has terrible time travel in it and shits all over better time travel. Oh my gosh. The hot take in in chat is that Merlin is Mac and he's out. He's not. He's an angel. Read the books, right. people. Yeah, but, but I mean, that's Harry's theory anyway, and I mean, at least he kind of confirms we, it, but he could also be lying. Do we need EG for this episode, or should I just rage quit him now? <laughs> we probably need him. Because okay, he's still fine. the encyclopedia, and there's going to be weird, tiny little pieces to pull. Like, So I I went to the one of the Wikipedia things of Dresden Fandom, and they have not updated from Peace Talks which I figured they would because they're nerds, right? But no, they still only have up to the cold days of information on Merlin. Um, but like to, to put this crazy timeline a little bit in perspective. So he saved the critical texts from the Library of Alexandria, which burned down in 48, year 48. Mm-hmm. And then he's also running around and doing things in Edinburgh hundreds and th- almost a thousand years later or something like that. And with the the... Arthurian whatnot happening it's like the amount of time he's been alive from like recorded birth to unknown death is immense right and and 48 puts him pretty close to what other things that we know because he formed the you know at least the proto-white council in Rome and like proto-Rome right so you know obviously around right you know AD One. And he also, I think, uh, he gets attributed with helping to establish, is it the Catholic Church or the Roman Catholic Church? Catholic. Yeah. yeah. Catholic, so, Roman Catholic. Someone can I mean, explain to me the difference there. There are differences that people will kill each other over, but for our purposes, it's really just a matter of when, in, right. uh, you know, 
And I think that it was Bob that said that in Cold Days and like he helped create the Catholic Church to further preserve knowledge during the European Dark Age, which mm-hmm. was not really near the year 48. And but all of those uh, stories might be apocryphal. Yet like also winning the Castle of Edinburgh in card game, right? Isn't that one of the things? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the Millennium Falcon's so passive, so... Yeah. I mean, the unfortunate thing with Harry being the protagonist and essentially the chosen one is that he's probably going to mirror things. So all the outlandish stuff about Merlin is probably very similar to Dresden in that it happened. It got embellished for purposes and things like that. But it's like, you know, truth is stranger than fiction. He's probably got really lucky and lots of crazy antics and all this kind of stuff. Right, but one so thing we know... I wouldn't I wouldn't bet against winning it in a card game. Oh no, yeah, like, that's I'm I'm a, I'm poking at the trope, you know, because Millennium Falcon, Han Solo, all that stuff. But um, yeah, no, that's that's fine, and I would tend to agree with you, except for Demon Reach, right? Yeah, uh, Demon Demon Reach was either done by a deity or somebody with deity level power, because a, you know, there's nothing else like it. B, Bob slash, you know, Demon Reach himself, Alfred is pretty sure Merlin did it, you know, and you know playing back the you know the the dumbing it down for you dresden type of thing but like thinking about it not you know what bob says is he didn't make it at five different points in time like it's not like he made it in the 500s and then went to zero and then went to minus 500 and made it when he made it he made it at all points in space and time you know like theoretically like it is a fixture of reality now and, you know, which makes sense because you've got to hold timeless beings and, you know, some other things like that, right? But, like, that's so far above and beyond the power scope we've seen displayed. The only things that would even come close, in my opinion, are, like, what we assume slash word of Jim have heard angels and archangels can do and the Eye of Baylor, right? And even the Eye of Baylor is, like, yeah, okay, maybe it's on the board next to where this kind of power exists, but it's not in the same, it's not in the inner ring of like how fucking crazy powerful this is, you know? Yep. I mean, plus you couple the fact with uh, how it's described as the power of like essentially starlight and it had to be beautiful to keep all this stuff in. This seems like a very cosmic type of power that he was playing with, you know, some sort of Maybe he also got a uh, bit of angel grace for a while. Was has been a theory for quite some time. I think that's the first time I've heard of it, actually. So yeah, that's. Oh yeah, well, I mean, the the more specific theory is that it went to that he had uh, the archangel Raphael's grace because Raphael's the demon binder who you know sealed the Zazel in, in Duodel or Dudadel, however you pronounce that place. You know, the prison of of the you know, the, the whole Tartarus and, and that kind of thing with these connections. So. Okay. The Raphael bit sounds a little familiar. Yeah. Okay. That's, I mean, because for a while the idea was maybe Mac was the transubstantiated version of him instead of a Grigori. Right. Which I mean, yeah, there's, there's so little we understand for some of that stuff. Like I wouldn't rule it out per se. So. Yeah, it was neat. But I mean, right. it's it's not entirely implausible considering the power you're you're we have to be talking about to pull this off. Now, right, it is. There's an outside shot that he just was that great, 
and because you know it, there there's the old word of jim about how theoretically if you get powerful enough as a wizard you could just start rewriting reality so he could have just been that guy but right that that doesn't seem as likely as based on the way we see power interact right well and and going back to what you said earlier with the you know harry's journey and merlin's may at least be a reflection of each other which you know is where i kind of grin and bear and forgive a little bit the people that think harry is merlin etc and and again i'm not entirely ruling it out i just don't think it's amazingly likely but you know michael got uriel's grace you know merlin getting Raphael's grace you know to do this thing um you know it just shows you what a wizard could do with that kind of power too right you know like that's the other thing like it's it's like harry getting the winter night mantle right like we've seen winter nights and they've been badasses by comparison but you've never seen a wizard winter night you know and and just what you know wizards bring to the table creatively and even understanding the power better um you know but even still demon reach seems i mean uh, as the words are leaving my mouth, I, I reconsider them, but it's like demon reach seems like such a narrow focus. And I'm like, except that it is holding timeless beings and outsiders. So forgive me for my brief slip up, but it's just like, it's on the same order of like, it's a tiny Island in the middle of nowhere. And also like the greatest prison uh, of creation, you know, outside of hell, I guess, you know, assuming how they handle that. Um, but well, I guess it makes a certain point of sense that if you're if you're looking to bind and trap beings that get to the level of beyond time and space type deal, you're going to want a fixed point within time and space to to do that. I would imagine. Right, and I mean, and if even if we delve into that, like it, it starts to get a little bit off topic. So I don't want to go too far, but like you have a prison to hold these things inside reality because it must have been next to impossible to just banish them, which is what OG white God should have done, would have done, did. And so like in the sense, like reality is like a reverse prison, right? It's, it's a garden, you know, because we've got all of creation inside and all the monsters are outside. And for some reason, these guys got through, you know, the wall, right? And so we have this inside prison now to deal with that because that was easier than rebanishing them, you know, than keeping them out. Like, oh, unless they're, I mean, uh, yeah, because it's that's a, yeah, it's its own topic. I think almost, you know, it's yeah. like, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's actually like a, a more common throat than I than I first realized. There's, I read a book series recently where it's like. It's a lot of the same beats that I recognize there with something outside and something inside and can't get rid of it. So it was easier to have it like captured inside here than get it outside of reality. Right. Uh, it's... Which I, I think that and you probably know this more than me, Justin. This, this, that probably takes, that's probably a, a Lovecraftian kind of trope, I guess. Yeah, the problem, yeah, the problem with invoking Lovecraft is like, you you are ants on a raft. There is no keeping Cthulhu. There is no banishing Cthulhu. There is no anything. There is, please God, don't let him wake up because he will unzip reality. And he's not even the biggest guy in the pond. You know, so like like Azatoth, who is more or less the universe, you know, 
uh, awoken if he farts ends its reality like you know a, a little bit crass but also pretty much spot on if you're familiar with the lore so you know like yeah with hp lovecraft like the the gods like the old ones and that sort of thing their their powers are just like completely off the charts like i've seen some theories where it's like they are fifth dimensional beings or even higher and the what you associate with cthulhu is just where he intersected our plane of existence. So you're not even seeing his power or anything like that. It's, he just touched the 3d world and that's what it looks like. Um, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of crazy lore because also over time as our understanding evolves, because a lot of it was based in, you know, 1908, 19, whatever. We didn't understand Egypt as a place and had people, mummies were a thing you know so we're taking advantage of like the the scientific awakening and people's ignorance at the time and so like you you have people trying to like stretch the imagination there to make it even more incredible by today's standards because you know people are like oh Cthulhu's not that scary it's like yes because you grew up with him you know like and you're not thinking about it in the right mind you know mind frame but uh anyway so yeah, like, uh, de depending on how Butcher handles them, like, it, it would take something like the White God. Like, there, there's nothing any of the mortals should be able to do against that. You know, once the old ones are on the march, it's over. You know, like, that's why Cthulhu being asleep is the important part. Because once he wakes up, it's bad. And apparently and we're going to fight him. It is hinted pretty heavily that Cthulhu is part of the Dresden mythos and is in our reality and sleeping. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, the, the, what was it? The, the first church of the what? What was the, uh, Molly's mm. short sleep? story? The, the cathedral, the cathedral. Yeah. So, and then referring the sleeper and like all of that, they all but said Cthulhu as far as I'm concerned. Like, you know, so yeah, I, I think that's the kaiju that Dresden is going to fight. So. Which, yeah. again, like I said, like he shouldn't have been able to fight a Titan. That should have been way outside of what he should have been able to handle. So I have no idea how he's going to get powered up to even like put a dent in a Kaiju, let alone Cthulhu. You know, so it's it's either when he fights, you know, Faravax or the other dragon, or it's going to be, you know, him fighting Cthulhu. So, well, I mean, we also see that like even something as big as a walker, which is supposed to be on Uriel's level, more or less, but with different restrictions is, you know, they, they sort of come down to quote unquote human size. So, I mean, we may see like actually big tentacly faced lumbering Cthulhu around, but I wouldn't be surprised if he sort of has like a bite-sized version and it's just the whole plane again with, you know, this is just a fraction of an aspect of a blink of him. Right. Yeah. He's not awake. He's just got one eye open. You better run. So I mean, because that's anyway. the outsiders is you pretty much don't kill them. You just kind of send them back outside. And the whole point is going to be to end up trying to have to close them out rather than straight up, you know, ganking Cthulhu. Right. right. Well, I mean, it's the same thing with Ethnew, basically, right? He didn't he didn't kill her. She's imprisoned, you know. But... Right. He beat her up. He took her stuff and he locked her away. Right. With a lot Apparently of he can call in the power of anything in that prison. Well, as long as he has the will to resist it, which is his whole, you know, but yes. 
With stubborn yeah. as a mule, that's just dressed in super. But that's warriors. you know that's what the gatekeeper warned him about years ago. Is you're not ready to touch the power here, and that would, would have, that could have even just been referring to the general ley line body heat they give off. But yes, you can, you know. And then in cold days, you are the warden. You can let them out. Right. Well, and so thinking about that and trying to get it a little bit closer to the Merlin conversation we were supposed to be having was uh, what maybe just change that- the title. Yeah, maybe that's where Dresden intersects a little closer to Merlin's story is maybe Dresden does pick up one of the angels' grace or something like that, and that superpowers his will so that he can use his, you know, outsider army to fight the outsiders or something, but I don't know. I mean, like... A point also in chat that that's a theory that I agree with that I think we talked about before that I'm not sure you agree with, that... Uh, that whole the notebooks that goes back to Merlin uh-huh. uh, implies that Merlin is Harry's ancestor, and I agree with that theory. I think that it had like tra- like it, like Ebenezer trained Harry, uh, Harry and his mother, and back and back and back, and it's always it's been in the family line. That's that's the implication I get uh, that his master to his mom was his dad, and or something that was family related, so that Harry is actually. You know, blood relation to Merlin. Yeah, I I don't think it's blood relation, but it's there's certainly like a you know if if you're familiar with you know the Sith line through Yoda and that sort of thing, like I buy that. You know that Harry technically was you know um, Ebenezer's apprentice for a little while, Ebenezer apprenticed under Merlin, you know and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I don't think they're a blood relation necessarily. So. I, I think that I mean I have there's no real evidence other than those notebooks which could be supporting your th- that your take on it just as well that it's more of a master to apprentice line all the way back but not necessarily bloodline. Yeah, so. I mean I I might even stretch it as far to kind of like try and get a middle ground where like you know in back in the day becoming an apprentice was like being adopted into the family but again I wouldn't say bloodline. You know, I'm just thinking. So. I'm, I'm. I mean, and that's just, and that's just my my little theory. Like thinking about it, is that they get, they both have immense magical batteries, for lack of a better word, right? They have a really big power pool to draw from, both Ebenezer and Harry, uh-huh. which I think is related to their blood bloodline to Merlin. But that's, you know, again, I have no real f- evidence. It's just all, you know, speculation. I think it kind of fits, right. Yeah, I it's, wouldn't it's be overly one of, surprised if it turns out to be that way because at a minimum we have the baseline that it's a master to apprentice thing. So even right. if it doesn't turn out to be family, we already have that as a known. That's what it is. Now I guess there could be some general idea to that because you know, you know most of this stuff passes through the maternal line as far as magic goes. But obviously in in Maggie and Harry's case, they got it from Ebenezer because. Harry's grandmother was just a, you know, person. So if there's a blood relation going back, maybe that could account for that kind of thing. And I mean, yeah, it usually passes through the female line. That's what we've been told. Maybe that's maybe there will be some kind of lore about how it's special that it's been only males for some reason because it was Merlin. Or maybe, you know, if we if if we ever get the bloodline, you know, there has been females involved. And this time around down here, it was just it happened to be from Ebenezer and it worked out like the bloodline continued. Well, it, it is, it is factual, like you say. Because if Merlin, if Merlin, to tie this back further, because we know Mab has a connection to him, at least uh, as far back as around the time of Hastings, 
when she's supposedly ascended to queenhood, if she is uh, Morgana or Morgaus or Nimue, one of these major magical or more magical, at least in the case of the Morgana and Nimue aspect, then you've got father and mother as very potent. Um, See, that's the other, that's why I waffle a bit with the idea of Harry being related, because if it turns out, then he's essentially related to, and this is obviously supposing this turns out to be the case, but he's essentially an ancestor of Merlin and Mab. It's like, all right. I mean, that might be why she was so interested in him. I mean, yeah, but that's, that's, it's like, uh, Doesn't that make him Bob's brother then? Doesn't that make him what? Bob's brother? (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Hmm. I mean, Assuming that Mab- he turns out to be hers, yes. Mab and her sister were both mortal, and we kind of get the idea, especially with how she re- reacts, that she knew Merlin when she was still human also, not just uh, not just uh, the so, lady. In Peace Talks, what Corpse says to her, um, I remember you as a bawling brat. I remember your pimply face when you rode with the Conqueror. I remember how you wept when Merlin cast you out. So and- she was definitely human. Well, she was with him in whatever capacity she was. Like, is yeah. she human if she's a changeling? No, but no, but pimply face. I'm like, like the lady oh, doesn't th- get pimples, no, right? That's just an insult, like calling you. <laughs> yeah, insect. I was gonna say. I don't think that's necessarily like hard and fast. Um, right. I mean, yeah, maybe she was afflicted with pox or something, but like, yeah. I think that's that's a little more of a you were you were basically a a, a brat, like he yeah. says, and yeah. It, I yeah, it is interesting. He connects her directly to William the Conqueror and yes. Merlin, you well, know, which gives of course us she's connected again, to the Conqueror. That makes perfect sense because, because it Hat was Hastings. Yes, know? and yeah. that is the moment where Norse gave up their mantle and gave it to the Fae to be the gatekeepers. That it, yeah. all of that seemed to be at the Battle of Hastings, which yeah. was probably on multiple levels of reality. Um and so it makes perfect sense for her to have been a part of taking it away from the Norse. Um, Corb continues to say, like, if he was yet among the living, do you think he would still love you? Would he be so proud of what you've become? Hmm. So Corb thinks he's dead, yeah. which is an important thing. Because uh-huh. as much as we hate Corb and he's a slime, he's also not a slouch, right? Like, he's got some power. You know, he's he's probably got some knowledge. It's it's so hard so. to take it seriously that he is actually quite powerful and has power. Right. And the way he's represented and how he's like this this toady to to what's her name? He's a toad. Uh, Ethnew. Yeah, Ethnew. Yeah. Uh, haha, no, <laughs> but yeah. I'm not uh, intended, but should have been. <laughs> it it, it would. I actually think it would have felt. She would have felt even more picked up if if he maybe had been developed more before we saw, like we didn't really see him until at the same time. We well, saw yeah, he kind of comes in like the red King, like people talk him up and he's got flashes of stuff, but I mean, he has the benefit of still being alive so we can see more of him. Whereas the red yeah. King just kind of came and, and got ganked immediately, but her, her, he does suffer a bit from that a bit more on page or on screen uh, would also have made her, the impact of her better. I feel like kind of like if we had seen him being more of a badass, because he is suppo- he's very old and he's very powerful, right? But we don't. Well, he's even got a prophecy about him about how he's not going <laughs> to die until somebody shoots a fireball into the ocean. Right. If, yeah. if someone's going to shoot fireballs, we got our boy dressed. <laughs> right. 
the the thing with the Red King though was like Morgan got within arm's reach of him, right? So he was always kind of a punk, you know, or at least he was always kind of close. But you, against that, you have basically he just masqueraded as a god for the last thousand years or whatever, you know. So like the fact that he had any power was probably because you know he took on that mantle, for lack of a better word, you know, uh, of Kukulkan. But um, that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. But um, yeah, with Korb, like we, we don't know enough of Korb's backstory necessarily. Uh, you know, maybe there's more uh, fairy tale stuff we can get in there, but I'm not, I, I don't know that I'm worried about him again until like the end, you know, like I think he got beat enough, you know, it, it's kind of like anticlimactic in the sense that like FBU was apparently like their entire army, right? You know, because it's like, sure, they showed up, they had Jotuns, they had dudes and that sort of thing. But if Ethnu had not been there, that would not have been a fight. You know, like that would not have been nearly as brutal as it was because it was A, a sneak attack and B, Ethnu taking out anything of any kind of resistance. She took out the godlings, you know, she she took down Titania and everybody else. Uh, like Corb's badass, maybe he would have laid one or three of them out, but not all of them. Uh, you know, let alone would he have tried it because he's he's a worm, you know, like... I, well, yeah, I mean, he's strong, but Mab doesn't seem to be afraid of him in particular. I mean, she when Harry's talking to her about it, it's like, he's more than your equal in power, but she's not... She doesn't seem to think that right. like, if she went against him, it would be a particular issue. It, it's also Mab, but, you know, <laughs> so... Matt, <laughs> I think Mab's entire motto is fuck around and find out, so... You know. But don't lose. <laughs> well, I mean, but she says she's telling you to try her. <laughs> like, you know, she's like, I'm not going to yeah. throw the first punch, but I will throw the last one. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I've been, as you guys have been talking, I've been reading some of the various Wikipedia things, and uh, I can't, not entirely on topic, but there's a lot of overlap from the Britannic mythology to Norse and I think obviously a certain amount of like ideas being transferred to them but I think in some way it you could look at it as indicative to how the mantles were transferred or, or some other crossover there uh, like so Avalon might have been um, translated from the Isle of Apples and uh, they had nine priestesses or something that was ruling it and Morgana might have been one of them but nine is an important number in Norse mythology and there were uh, apples in Norse mythology that kept everyone eternally young and like that was also apparently part of the name of Tirnanach of that's the land of the ever youthful well, also this sounds like fairies because how many of them are old looking there's literally only two that we can think of that look old and they're meant to look old because they're meant to be the mothers but the connections between them I think as well as like if you look at the Lady of the Lake and previously we had thought that might have been Leah but what if that was Mab before she was queen and she was helping Arthur or Merlin doing all the Arthur stuff? Like the Lady of the Lake is the one who gave Excalibur to Arthur, which is weird when Leah couldn't touch Amarachius until it had been uh, sullied by Dresden. But if, but if before she was fully queen or maybe a changeling or something like that, and she was mortal, whatever that might be, even if eternally young, then she might've been able to help that way and during the Arthurian legends, building up all of the, the whole Britannic identity and their power base to then later with the conqueror take over 
with the gatekeepers entirely. But who's but that the would... con- it's the conqueror Arthur? Or who's the... No, 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 the well, conqueror. Well, well, yeah. the conqueror. So yeah. Arthurian legends take place in the fifth or sixth century, more or less, um, depending because it was written down in the 12th century. So who gives a fuck? But William the Conqueror in 1066. But like this would have meant that Merlin was at, being taught by uh, Vaterung, and to a certain extent, I would say possibly sired by Vaterung, based on some certain hints of he was had a mortal mother and an incubus for a father. What's an incubus in this context? Probably not a white court vampire. But if something else, I mean, as well as his name, apparently might have a hint to, in the French of like how his name got derived from a Welsh thing, maybe connected to a blackbird, like a raven that Batarung is always with, or signified and everything. So it is interesting if we then go with the the whole like the, if if it is a bloodline, if it and if it goes back, yes, back then to it Merlin, goes back to goes back to Vaterung, who has a very is interested in Harry, which and would. And make because maybe they're a family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's not that far fetched. And, and then no. it, yeah. if if Merlin and Mab being Mab the Lady of the Lake, and it then it basically be Merlin had helped Mab and other Fae become powerful enough to take down the Norse mythology handover. Sure. I I mean listen, there's. The two, the two ways that always seemed the strongest to me were either her or Morgana slash Morgan Le Fay, because they're the same person for all intents and purposes. Right. I tend to think if I'm going to not even flip a coin and you have to pick a gun to my head, I'm picking Morgana for two reasons. One, she's slightly more um, sorceressy, magically inclined. So Mab being mortal once that da 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 da. Two we already know that her FMA is at least important in the Dresden files because one, it's used as a vector for nemesis and two, it's on the same general level as Amarachius and the other swords in terms of power to the point where Leah has to give up her debt over Harry in order to even just keep it. And then the next, the last time we see it after Leah has been she-sickled is Mab has it. Which I... In my opinion, that's like coming home. Like I think Mad knows exactly what that was, and I think, How did she I think it was it? hers. Well, Why Leah knows too because yeah. she's like, you know, it's not. It, don't cheapen it by comparing it to yada yada. It's it doesn't matter what it is. It matters whose it is. Interesting. Is at least how she refers to it, based on my general memory of um, Summer Night. But yeah, so I mean Morgana, and plus it's she's got the stronger connection to Merlin as opposed to Nimue and Morgaus, who are strong, slightly stronger connected to Arthur, and Morgana being Morgaus's sister most of the time would lend itself to Titania and Mab if that's how it sh- uh, shook out. Um, one being more with Arthur, and one being more with Merlin. Right. And and when you were talking about that in the pre-show, like it just, it resonated so well. And I'm not a hundred percent sure I've given too much thought before on like who Titania would have been. And just like you focus on Mab and then you're like, well, there's nobody directly adjacent that you feel like you could squeeze it in. However, 
if you introduce Mab and Titania as more or less a single unit and then take all the chaos that is actually present in the fucking legend in the first place and the fact that multiple characters like their names are used interchangeably and all of this stuff maybe that makes sense because there was a twin involved and people couldn't keep straight who was doing what and when and they look identical right because they're literally twins and and i also i also really dig the the part that you added where titania would go after arthur and mab would go after merlin because to me that fits their themes so well mab is absolutely going after the salt and pepper established Mm -hmm. guy because it's practical she's going to get her sugar daddy and and learn and all of these things and titania is absolutely going after the young hero because that's what love and the summer court and those things would. And so like when you said those things, I was like, holy shit, like that s- seems like it fits so well to me, you know? There's and even though... It's, uh, not, not entirely on this. If, if, if Mav is Lady of the Lake, one of the, the first things that was described of the Lady of the Lake in her miracles was that she can walk on water or survive underneath water, obviously because she's off the fucking lake, which the Queen of Air and Darkness apparently can because that is her realm, as she says. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, also, Morgana m- might have been derived in some way from the Morrigan, which was a kind of like a. She's hard to describe, and I don't fully remember enough of her. But she was always related to ravens as well, with like Odin and whatnot. But Merlin also had the ability of shape shifting, as did the Lady of the Lake. I think as it did Morgana, um, and well, so Mab can change her look whatever she wants, but Merlin being able to shapeshift, maybe that was magic, or maybe he had some fucking masks because he knew how to do masks the way that Batarung does. I was talking because so it's he not. is. Yeah, I mean, I gotta, I gotta say, like maybe on on the one percent of the bell curve, like I I can't rule out the fact that after Beowulf is Odin that Merlin might've been Odin as well. It just, that also clicks in a bunch of things where it's like, you gotta have godlike power. What an easier way to get it than to be a god. You know, like, uh, I'm not necessarily saying it's super plausible, but I think it should go in the pool as much as anything else, uh, especially after peace talks, you know. Uh, I, I understand that, but it seems more like to me that he was actually two different people only because the way Mab reacts to Corb's taunting about him, if Merlin is essentially still Fair. Odin and around and even a part of her court under a different name, there's no there's no reason to really be that hurt about yeah, it. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. Yeah. So the Morrigan is often described as a trio of individuals, all sisters, mm. called the three Mor- Morigna. That seems yeah. important. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I think we, this came up when we were talking about the mothers and the fates and stuff the last yeah. time. Yeah, right. she's more Celtic, right? The, the yes, Morgan. yeah, she's um, just Irish most of the time. Irish mythology, yeah. When we came up, or talking about the triple goddesses and whatnot, it's like, yeah, there's this thing, and then also ravens. It right. well, yeah, translated as, them. yeah, great queen or phantom queen. So <laughs> doesn't sound like anybody we know. Sorry, guys. Because <laughs> I think people really drew that distinction when we first see Mab in her, you know, judgment aspect where she's yeah. all black with the black eyes. And I mean, he basically describes her as a bird at the end of Skin Game. Right. With yeah. the black eyes. Mainly associated with war and fate, especially mm. with foretelling doom, death, or victory in battle. Yeah, right. Because the Morrigan I mean, is kind of connected to the Deesir and the Valkyries if you look at it in certain ways. 
Right. Well, plus, so is it? Is it? It's a triple goddess like Hecate and and all that, or because then it just it could follow that you know it's the same general principle. The queens are the split versions of all these triple goddesses. So Mab having an aspect of it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So I mean, it doesn't necessarily. Well, yeah. It is. It is believed that these were all names for the same goddess. There you go. So basically, it's talking about their three names, which they're Irish. So fuck you. I'm not going to even try to pronounce yeah, them. Uh, Andreas, but... this is where you shine. <laughs> yeah. Really? You're Swedish. You can pronounce Irish words. You're right? the closest so... one. You're the foreigner to it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they're the three are also named sisters of the three land goddesses. Uh, which again, fuck you, I'm not pronouncing those names. Uh, do, do, do. Yeah, so a shape-shifting goddess, blah, blah, blah. But it also gives us three more plausible names for, you know, pick one that belongs to, you know, Mother Winter, right? So mm -hmm. since, since we've been doing the triple goddess thing, but so. Mother Winter ain't got time to be bothered with people's shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> she she's only like three millennia away from retirement so <laughs> nah she's the kind of person that pretty much uh she's like the old person that just keeps living because they keep having something to do even if yeah. hers is just spitting acid on the floor and making fun of uh, granny summer well she can't Doesn't go anywhere she's now. still yeah she's still gotta let wormwood root loose so, uh... so I'm tired of these motherfucking mortals on this motherfucking plane well, actually, that was more the summers like her job because, like, it's it is life, it is growth, even if it is also destruction. But it's kind of both of them, I guess. Well, yeah, it's yeah. two well, sides of the same. I think coin it's Mother because... Summer who is like, oh, it's not time for that one. That like, oh, but she's looking <laughs> right. forward to it. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, no, she, because Mother, she might Mother have created Winter's very it, happy but... about that idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah, she might have created it, but maybe Mother Winter's the one that gets to break it, you know, and let it loose. So, but... I mean, maybe. But, you know, even Bob back in Summer Night when we were first talking about their dichotomy is, you know, uh, or in our, an era of Ice Age or rampant growth. It's like, well, the second one doesn't sound so bad. It's like, yeah, great if you're the Ebola virus. Right. Now, the yeah. two sides are the same fucked up everybody. Apropos. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> so, yeah, this I mean, so that's that's why I like the idea that they share these kind of triple masks because uh, they are essentially their balances and two sides of the same aspect. But that's that's that seems to be a theme as well that crops up all the time. You know, love and hate are two sides of the same coin. Soulfire and Hellfire. These are all they're just a lot of the same thing pointed in different directions. Right. There's also this interesting thought I had. Uh, this was originally in regards to Merlin, um, but also with these triple goddesses. We know it's an established fact, you know, human faith and belief has power so much so that the shroud, the fake shroud, gets a significant amount of power just from that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we, like, do these triple goddesses, do they draw from all these different religions, like, get more power from them? And from all of them, and does the Merlin, if he's around, not around, does he? Does he draw? Like, there's a lot of Merlin in pop culture. A lot of thought about him. Does that grant him more power? Well, Merlin was human-ish, at least wizard. So, does 
Dresden get more power from people thinking of him as the Wizard of Chicago? Or is he will. Just, I mean, I mean, it's get more like right, because... usable magical power, or is it just the like? If he's authority. smart enough to use it, so <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, you know, I still think like, he's going like, to get minor benefits. But if a cloth well, gets power from a lot of people believing it can do something, why shouldn't a wizard who actually can wield the powers that are around him not gain power from people believing that he is something or has something? Two two things. First of all, Merlin's not getting any power from the pop culture because he's dead. So we'll settle that one. But if he was alive, yes, maybe. Second thing, uh, what was you? Crap, I lost it. See, I think it um, depends on the, because it's <laughs> about the triple goddesses. If yes, they're they all do. essentially the same person wearing a different mask in these different religions, then yes, I would say they get the collective benefit. Yeah. If they are, if they were all individuals, then sort of came together in the mothers and the queens and the ladies to then get it then i would say yeah they sort of get a passive but it's more about i think now a foothold in reality rather than an actual power boost i'm i'm pretty right. sure like 99.9 percent .9 of whatever the all six queens can do are because of the mantle by design because faith is fickle but that power set just kind of endures it goes it always moves the power might die right the power might go to the lake and, and the cosmic, the rules, how they're set up kind of ways. The human faith beliefs in all these different triple goddesses, all these triple goddesses are all connected to the mantle and then the mantle kind of like, it gets baked in there. Well, yeah, but I mean, the I, to me, the thing is they're not getting a power boost per se because they're all different aspects of the same thing. It's, as, it's a way to survive. Like Odin survived through Vaterung, through Beowulf, through everybody else, right? Because otherwise they would have been consigned to oblivion at some point. So yeah, that, about, like that's, you know, they, they passed with the torch, right? And so, you know, to go back to some fan theories from our own guys, you know, that, you know, Hecate was the was the G for her time, and then she split herself into these aspects and went from there. I think it goes back older than that, in my opinion, and especially with so many of these things, you know, it's kind of like the Venus, right? You know, like there's always a, a, a like fertility goddess, regardless of what she call we call her. Yeah. She's always I mean, been there, always, you know? Is it always the same fertility goddess? Is an interesting right question, right? In the Dresden yeah, Files, I, maybe. <laughs> so, I, I yeah. think it's I think it's a little split and a little I think at least as far as I'm concerned a lot of the triple goddesses are going to turn out to be like at least as far as things like the fates and the norns and stuff like that are going to be essentially the same being kind of flowing in and out of different whatever's to keep themselves relevant and powerful yeah. I think there's probably a difference between your uh, you know, your Aphrodite versus your African fertility goddess. I don't think those are going to be the same people. Kind yeah, of that's deal. probably true. There's also this thing we know we've met Hades. He's definitely, he's the Greek Hades. He's not, and there's no, there's no real correlation to Hades over to Norse mythology, for example, where it's more hell. And I know they have another, like a more benign death god too that I, but I can't remember right now. I think it's I think it's a, it may even turn out to be as simple as the smart ones got with the times and adapted, you know, modern problems require modern solutions. And the other ones just kept their own power and fucked off the never never ends like whatever. Or live on Earth and wrestles. Right. 
but I don't think, see, I, like those, those kind of gods, I would be, I don't think we're going to see someone of like Zeus's level. I think we're going to see someone or even someone like a, a, your Athena's or your Ares. These, these gods are sticking around and getting power, but I don't think they're going to be the top tier people specifically because they're still around and kicking and doing this. And more they're demigods all... and, and hero types. Yeah, yes. your, your, your Herculeses and your, and your um, uh, what the, the, yes, in that general. I mean, you could, <laughs> you could make an argument for someone like maybe an Artemis type. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily uh, think wasn't sticking around, but then she could also be part of the summer court and that's a different issue. He was wisdom though, right? So, yeah. That it was makes sense. Oh Artemis yeah, sorry. One of the hunting. And was, Ar- yeah, Artemis was yeah. the hunter. There's also Huntress. this whole great, this whole greater mythos of Dresden that while well, we have had Jim give us some tidbits and talk about some power levels of, for example, the mothers who are Archangel level, if I remember correctly. Well, they're just about yes. They're probably yeah. just one of them in every reality, whereas Uriel's definitively just the same in every reality. And there's this interesting, like it's interesting how you know Big G, he's one. If Uriel's one, then Big G's for sure just one. Uh, and yeah. what about all these other gods? Uh, they're probably not one. There's one for each reality. These minor gods. Did did Big G make the minor Gs? Like we we don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I right. tell people, dude. Like the once once you get past, I mean, shit, just about the Battle of Hastings, but maybe you can go as far back as like Egypt. It gets weird because you, if the white god exists, and if if Christianity is quote unquote the reality or whatever in the Dresden Files, then that means the white god created the heavens and the earth by separating the chaos from order, which is when he cast out the outsiders theoretically, right? And somehow between then and everything else, when he created everything, then you've got all these hundreds of of thousands of right. other beings that came and into power. And they true. also created, yeah, they also created the earth. They also did all of these things. And so like that, that's where like, even in like, I, I've had some some go at this even in like D&D, for example, right? Because like every race has their own pantheon. And so you've got, you know, Moradin created the dwarves and you've got Corlon created the elves and they created the, the earths. And, and then you get a little bit of cross-pollination where it's like they work together in some things and they've interacted. But like, that's where Dresden gets weird by bringing all of those mythologies together because it's like, what was Ganesha doing while, you know, White God was throwing the outsiders out? Is running like, around what, what was what was what's the Thunderbird been up to? You know, like in North America, while you know, like it, this shit, it doesn't actually mesh, which is why, like, I enjoyed where like the fairy tales all came together and that mythology started to connect, and then you start to get in the white god stuff, and it's like, like, how does that work? Do you you'll have no gods before me, except for like these hundreds, thousands <laughs> of other little gods, you know, like. No, maybe it'll you know. uh, turn out to uh, be Tolkieny, where the gods are essentially the Maiar. You know, everybody right. just sort of did the Song of Unison, and the outsiders were the uh, the discontented Melkor, and this, that, and the other thing. And that'll be, and they each got aspects of reality because this word of gems, like about how dragons had aspects of reality and humans usurped them, and they were responsible for like go split this continent. I wouldn't be surprised if. That was how it was, quote unquote, in the beginning. It's like, I created this, you guys are managing it. 
and then they fucked up. And I was like, all right, no, you're done managing. You can keep your power, but then you go away. And if you want to stay around managing, you're going to take some limitations. But this, this, I'm, I'm pretty sure, yeah. sure Jim has given this like some pretty, like he's been pretty, I feel like his detail has been pretty good. And, and we, we know he has a lot of stuff in the, what was it, behind the scenes that we don't even necessarily ever get to know. Like he's, he's got some pretty extensive like, like world building that we don't know nothing about. For example, the fact that Odin has um, soul fire, which we only got because we randomly got it out of him because it was probably never going to be in the books. Uh, so I'm sure he thought about it, like how how things go, how big G's, smaller G's, and that's just one of those things that I hope will that will get some like we get in the story or in that compendium well, after of the world. Yeah, he's gonna have to write really his is. version of the Silmarillion. Is that's where again. Yeah. <laughs> it it does make a little bit of sense. Like if you if you think of all the little gods as potentially being fallen you know, or, or, you know, they, they had their jobs and then, you know, fuck them up or something like that. If there's, if you just assume like all of those creatures or aspects of, you know, Celestia, whatever you want to call it, heaven, you know, and that sort of thing. And they, they fucked it up on various levels. Like, I guess that could make some sense, but you know, I never really think about the, 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 you know, the triple aspect goddesses, like, uh, map and stuff as much as as gods, but they I mean they the mothers, yeah, kind of because they're, they're archangel level. But I never thought about them as gods, like like a way I think that Odin and Hades are gods, right? Uh, it's well, it's nomenclature, right? I mean, some yeah. of it's yeah. just a matter of so it's, it's all it's power level, right? At some point, you well, that's too. But I mean, like a god, you know, they're gods and Map is a goddess in all but name as far as power is concerned and the way she can influence the earth and the things she can do. I mean, if you, if you had no other word for it, that's pretty much what you would come up with. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I how, how much above your power level do they need to be before you start throwing the G term around? Right. And that's why you, you got little G's and big G's and then you've got the G, <laughs> you know, I guess. Cause again, like if, if you're following Christian mythology, like he's, He's the tops, you know, so he can unzip everybody if he wanted to. But, you know, then you've still got, you know, Odin and Hades running around, which are, you know, classically what everybody would definitely have considered tops. Right. So and then like, yeah, Mab and, and all of them, they are not they are not on those other power levels, but they've still got quite a bit of power uh, that, you know, is beyond any kind of scale most of the mortals are going to have like Mab can tank the white council. Maybe they'll have a shot. All of them. If they knew her true name, that's pretty fucking powerful. I mean, granted she's got reality shackles and she can't just go on the rampage or whatever, but as far as like raw power goes, yeah, she's up there. So, you know, very so. interesting then because you know, from what we've been presented, Merlin is he's supposedly a mortal wizard that is I would say he has god level powers, like at least mad level, Odin um, kind of level powers, little G powers. He probably got a lot of help considering right. uh, his teacher, and he was probably the one who took Mother Winter's walking stick and then passed it down. And now it's at Ebenezer. So, like, yeah, maybe I mean, that I wouldn't be shocked if, if the Merlin was the first Blackstaff either, in okay. addition to and that's also the first warden of Demon Reach. He was the, 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 the original Merlin, he made the White Council, he, he set down the laws of magic. He was probably the first gatekeeper on the council proper. 
Yeah, he was right. the first like he everything. did it all, and then he was like, "All right, I need to delegate because he did what God did." Or they he just disappeared, and then everyone needed to take some of it. Well, yes, but the, in, in the end, they all fucked it up. <laughs> the special, the special, the recent ones. The, spe- the special rules that we know on the council is just, you know, there's a leader of the Merlin, there's the gatekeeper, that's a special role, and there's the Blackstaff, and the rest is just council members from what we know. From what we know, but not even yeah, all of them right. understand the gatekeeper or the Blackstaff. I mean, they probably all understand the Blackstaff, I guess, but maybe not. Because Rashid's false eye has an identity, fake identity. Well, part <laughs> of it is the nature of wizards is you don't just hand out information even amongst each other, especially amongst each other. A wizard, I gotta hold this shit. It's great. <sighs> It's what like, if the other guy the comes at me one of, day? I need to know this. I could explain everything and we wouldn't have a problem in the story. If only we communicated, I'll never communicate. <laughs> well, it's, and it's funny because it's Wizards built into their still. class. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a feature, not a bug. I mean, <laughs> how to know almost everything and yet fuck it up because we don't tell anybody nothing. The Wizards guidebook. like. <laughs> so. That's why they can't even be involved in the Oblivion War because they would fuck it up just by knowing things. Right. Well, I think, oh, well, I mean, we get we didn't get to talk about Merlin and Arthurian legend as much as I thought we would. But actually, really, I think we're, we we got into good subjects today. Yeah, for yeah. sure. No, we could always do it again next time. Yeah, Merlin. This is a topic two. that branches Whatever. into many things. Yeah. yeah. Shouldn't it be like Merlin, Merlin part five because he ages backwards. So <laughs> this was this was Merlin part three. Join us next time for Merlin part two. Don't ask too many questions. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes our well, numbers are a bit confusing anyway. Don't ask too many questions, part 77. <laughs> I mean, what, we're at episode 120-something, 134. There you go. So don't ask too many questions, episode, the show, just the whole thing. So. Well, no, two of them were devoted to literally <laughs> asking questions of a certain person. So, and Yeah, and see where that got us. <laughs> it, just because it got us more questions doesn't mean... It worked out okay. Yeah, we got some important information out of that. Like the third time, the third time's gonna it's gonna reveal all. I'm sure of it. Oh yeah, for sure. I I could tell we had him on the ropes. He was just about to just reveal everything. He was actually gonna give us the manuscripts, but then he was like, eh. He actually had the dog barking in the background, just like whenever. Okay, they're getting. I just gotta take a break here, collect my thoughts, because they're oh, they're getting me in the corner right now. They're getting too close. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, do we want to wrap it up? Well, next week we're talking about Princess Bride and Andreas can finally understand that joke in cold days. Oh my uh, god. There's a chance. There's a chance. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking I'll forward to watching watch it. It's good. I'm glad because it's fantastic. I the problem is like I'm not sure what it's gonna look like coming at it from this angle, right? Like <laughs> we all watched it as children, right? When you're supposed to. So like, you know, watching as an adult and you're gonna go in and be like, oh, the graphics are outdated and what the hell's the thing with the giant and the horses and the like just it's great and if you thought we had a tr- we had problems last time like god last week's episode was was a lot of fun there was a lot of yelling on justin's part it was great but see uh, i would like to point out i was not part of that episode no you were not. i didn't do it no but Ichi, you didn't you don't you don't you don't yell at anyone you're just you're just sarcastic and 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 what's the what's Dismissive. the word I'm looking for? Well, yeah, that too. That's not the word I was looking for, but yes. <laughs> I don't remember. 
I don't I don't know what the word is. Sardonic. So many good words. <laughs> I, I take many That's masks the word and the <laughs> worst mini mantles. Can't top that. Just yeah. pull the trigger. The rest of the <laughs> podcast. Broken Trust on XYC. Patreon. Money. Yeah. Discord. You get to talk Discord to us on has Discord. been a lot of fun recently, so come join while us. The, while the prices are still reasonable, because they're going up. Probably. Yeah. Maybe. Inflation, guys. We can't afford well, Andreas's mic 